I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Shaletta is out the door. Steve Thompson in a little early today. Josh Wheeler is our producer. And a little bit earlier today, I was trying to get some yard work done because the cold weather is coming back. We we don't see any major snow events, so there's still time to pick up leaves. And, oh, by the way, I have a maple tree that refuses to give up all its leaves. All the other trees in the yard are done. Um, I'm getting very close to getting it all cleaned up. But... uh, if you're still in the midst of doing that fall cleanup and you live in Ramsey County, uh, we've got the man in charge of uh, the Yardways program with Ramsey County, John Springman, joining us today. John, good to visit with you. Uh, good afternoon, Steve. Yeah, John, do you have all your yard work done? Are you, are you done for the year? Uh, no, I am not. Um, it's interesting. There's kind of this uh, spectrum of how people manage leaves uh, from those who, you know, start raking as soon as the uh, okay. first leaf hits the ground. And I'm on the other end of that where I want to wait until that last leaf is down before I rake because I want to get it all done in one shot. Yeah. You know, I I have so many trees in my yard that once upon a time I had this machine I would pull behind my garden tractor and vacuum all those up, and I, and I would do it multiple times. And then I talked to the folks over at the U who who specialize in turf grass and say, one of the things you can do is kind of grind up those leaves, see, leave some of those in the turf, and then pick up the excess later. And, I, and that's my strategy now. So I, I do have a lot of leaves. I kind of grind them up so, so they don't get, you know, a foot and a half deep in some spots. But ultimately, with the excess, I take them off the grass and ultimately take them to the compost site. I do live in another county. But tell us how it works in Ramsey County. Where do people go? How does the program work? Okay, for starters, I would recommend people uh, go to our website. If they just Google Ramsey County Yard Waste, the first thing that comes up will be um, you know, linked right to um, everything uh, they need to know about how to uh, use the yard waste uh, program in Ramsey County. And, uh, of course, you know, I know your audience is much larger than just Ramsey County, so I recommend that to anybody anywhere else is, you know, if you go to your local, you know, either uh, government center or environmental service center uh, websites, um, they tend to have that uh, information readily available because, of course, this time of year it's a very hot topic and people want to know where they, they can go with, uh, with that material um, to manage it properly. Now, in Ramsey County, how many sites are there? 
We have seven uh, sites in Ramsey County, and um, this kind of goes along with, you know, we are geographically, you know, the smallest county in the state, uh, so seven is actually quite a bit. But it kind of follows along the lines of Ramsey County's uh, strategic priority, and which is, you know, to make sure our residential programs are effective, efficient, and accessible. And I think we've, you know, pulled that off with these yard waste sites, having that many, and doing the things that we do um, at those locations. Uh, So, um, yeah, there's a lot... uh, one that's probably close uh, uh, to your your home um, anywhere uh, within 10, 5, 10 minutes in Ramsey County. All right, all right. So what are some of the do's and don'ts if you're coming to one of these sites? I know uh, leaves are fine. I would assume grass clippings are fine. What do you accept? How how should people bring it? Because I'm sure you don't want to deal with a lot of bags, et cetera. Right, right. A good example is the bags. Um Although there are some compostable bags out there, um, we don't accept them at our sites just because somebody else might interpret that bag in the pile as a plastic bag, and then they feel that that's just what you do is you chuck your plastic bag with all the yeah. leaves in it, and then it's that's no good on the, the back end for managing the material. But um, again, on the website, it kind of... Uh, um, identifies what's acceptable and what's not. I think, you know, with any recycling program, um, there are what we call contaminants or things that shouldn't go in the pile. And uh, yard waste is pretty straightforward. Um, at our sites, we have four of the seven that actually accept tree and shrub waste. So um, if um, that can be separate, you know, that should be separated coming into the site where the, the shrubs and trees go on one pile and the sticks go on one pile and then the leaves and grass and garden waste uh, uh, would go in, in a completely different pile because both are managed differently um, in the end. And, by the way, we're being joined by John Springman from Ramsey County, a managing yard waste in uh, Ramsey County, Minnesota, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. So you get this waste in. What ultimately happens to this? Because in the county I live in, I live in Hennepin County, northern Hennepin County, so I go to the Maple Grove site, Typically, this stuff is is turned into compost, which ultimately our residents can come back and get and put in their garden and in their landscape, and it's really good stuff. Exactly. That site operates pretty long, much along the same lines as one of our seven sites. Um, However, uh, the other six, because of just space limitations, we can only, um, you know, transfer everything that comes in back out. But in the end, it's going through the same process. We truck it back out to commercial sites in and around the metro area where they compost it and turn it into what you're talking about, that great, you know, finished compost that makes a, a nice soil amendment that can be used for uh, landscaping and gardening purposes. And it, it, that that is invaluable. If you talk to gardeners and experts about it, that's the stuff you want. Oh, yes, yes. Um, we actually make it available from the one site where we can compost to our other um, six sites in, in addition to the site where we're, we're producing it in the spring. And uh, we typically run out by about June uh, just because it is so well uh, sought after and realize that it is a very valuable product or, um, you know, and uh, material for, uh, you know, landscaping and gardening. All right. What are, what are the hours? Uh, I, I would assume the, these the sites aren't open year-round. I know the one near my house in northern Hennepin County, they, they shut down fairly quickly. That's coming up soon. Right, right. Ours are uh, on their regular, what we call a regular season hours uh, through um, November, and that's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 11 to 7. Saturdays are 9 to 5, and Sundays are um, 11 to 5. 
Um, however, uh, we are open actually throughout the winter at our sites because we offer some other services there, mainly um, food scrap collection that's collected in separate containers, uh, basically garbage dumpsters at these locations. And we want to keep that program um, operating throughout the winter so people don't have to engage and disengage and then re-engage again in the spring. So a lot of what comes in over the, the winter months um, is that material, but we still will accept any leaves that had been raked up previously and stored um, and uh, that's probably about the best time actually to bring them in if you want to avoid um, waiting in line at one of our sites I can guarantee you today somebody's probably uh, waiting um, their turn to get into the site and listening to this program uh, to pass the time because uh, I, I guarantee they are busy today yeah no doubt the, the weather is great uh, today yeah. the weather is great tomorrow uh, no, no doubt the, the sites are super busy um, do you encourage people when they can, if they have the room, to compost at home? Absolutely. That's the first uh, thing we encourage because they would um, then be able to reap the benefits of doing that themselves with their own material. And um, it, it, But there's some things to consider with it, too. As you know, just one uh, tree, like you mentioned, your one maple yeah. that refuses to drop its leaves can really generate a lot of material. So you have to have... Uh, space allocated to do that and um, I would think in greater Minnesota of course um, there's a lot more opportunity for that and um, also to consider you know your local ordinances and such that they may um, like require you to be so many feet back from a side uh, lot or or fence or or property line that sort of thing so things to kind of consider if you're going to try that on your own um, but that is definitely, you know, uh, you know, reuse is, is kind of at the at the at the top of this, and you're kind of, you know, you're still kind of recycling, but you're almost reusing what you're generating at that point. So we like to push that message um, uh, the most. Yeah, and it is one of those things where you definitely do want to get those leaves off the turf grass whenever you can before we uh, move into the winter months because. It is no fun to pick that stuff up in the spring. I know we've had some early snows over the years, and the leaves get buried, and, boy, it, it, it's easier to do it now than it is the spring for sure. Right, and that's what's actually recommended by the University of Minnesota Extension. Um, the fall is much easier to manage, as you suggested, but also in the spring if you leave it on uh, site and it is at a, a depth, you know, they recommend uh, – a maximum of 10 to 20% coverage of your lawn um, with leaves uh, at, at the most, because otherwise you're going to probably have some turf problems. Uh, leaves can, you know, smother the grass and inhibit growth. They can create an environment for a snow mold to occur over the winter months. And then in the spring, if you do try to uh, take it up, then you're kind of tromping around on your yard, um, which isn't really a good time of year to do that as the frost is coming through and the ground is typically kind of saturated and wet that time of year. It's, it's, more beneficial to stay off of that. So, yes, fall uh, leaf management is actually the best. Yeah, and a couple other things for you before we go. What about people who have uh, potted plants? Like I say, I like container tomatoes, and I have a number of those. Do the sites accept the the remnants, that kind of garden waste, stuff that came out of the garden, stuff out of the pots, that, that really isn't reusable next year? Right. We will accept that. Um, however, there is um, some issue around uh, accepting actually the dirt from those potted plants, and that's an invasive species called uh, jumping worms. And uh, unfortunately, it's one of those things that 
Um, it doesn't make it through the composting process uh, because of the temperatures that are involved, the, the eggs and the, um, the, you know, the, the adults and the other stages of that, that pest cannot survive that process. Uh, so it's not an issue typically on the back end, but it would be an issue if somebody else were to come to the site and see one of those potted plants and think they want to take it home with them and try to maybe nurture it through the winter, or um, it could even create an infestation on um, the site itself where we don't want that um, pest moving around and getting into some of the things we offer back to the public. So uh, best that we don't accept those. Um, there's more information on the uh, DNR's uh, website about jumping worms. Uh, very interesting, uh, but unfortunate uh, pest. Yeah, I don't want those. I, I don't no, want those no. jumping worms, that's for sure. Uh, John Springman calling us. Uh, Ramsey County Environmental Health Supervisor who manages uh, the County Yardways program. Time is running out. Get those leaves cleaned up and, and get them to your local site, whether you're in Ramsey County or another county, and uh, check out all the information hours, etc. But uh, t- time is certainly limited on that front. And, John, what about the money side of it? If you're a Ramsey County resident, uh, is the service free to drop off? Uh, yes, uh, it is free drop-off. Again, this is going back to our, um, you know, a strategic priority of making this an efficient and effective program and accessible is that there is no charge for dropping off. The the, uh, the system is funded by uh, the county environmental charge, which is that fee you see on your trash hauling bill um, that mm. is based on the amount of trash you generate. So the less you generate and the more you recycle, the, l- the lower your fee will be for that. So it, it encourages recycling. But that's what kind of pays for the program, and that's what kind of um, makes us want to make sure that we're keeping this in-house to Ramsey County residents. So, and I also want to mention, too, we do have a reciprocal use agreement with Washington County. So those residents can use four of our locations. And we have a joint powers agreement with the city of St. Anthony because that city straddles uh, both the Hennepin and um, Ramsey County. And so just to avoid the confusion, um, we basically uh, retain some of the recycling money from the state to fund that portion of their residents coming to our sites. All right, John. Well, a great, great update. Thanks uh, for all the info today. And this is the weekend to get it done because it's going to get cold Thanksgiving weekend and a holiday weekend, you don't want to be doing that sort of stuff. So get it done today and tomorrow. I agree. It's going to get cold, and I've been there where I've tried to break up leaves that have been frozen to the ground, and it's no fun. (laughs) Yeah, and my wife gets mad when I'm riding around out there trying to grind up and pick up leaves after work at night. You know, that that kind of drives her crazy. So get out in the sun. It's warm today, and, and, and get things cleaned up. By the way, what's the website? Where do people go? particularly if they live in Ramsey County, to find out about the program? Yes, again, the uh, easiest way is just Google Ramsey County Yard Waste um, because the, the site actually can be a little bit long, the actual um, you know, sure. address. So Google Ramsey County Yard Waste, and it'll get you to all the information you need to know about the program. Well, that is great. John, good to visit with you. Thanks. You too, Steve. Thanks. Have a good day. All right. There he is, uh, John Springman from Ramsey County. He is an environmental health supervisor manages the county yard waste program and I, i've still got chores to do uh i'm gonna focus on that tomorrow uh, and and we'll kind of get into that uh in, in a moment what i still need to do in my yard before i can feel comfortable uh moving into the winter months uh and a little bit later on in the hour if you live in the northern suburbs of minneapolis 
Light rail could be coming to your neighborhood. We'll get into that later on. Stephen Frischelletto, a little early. Don't forget, later on in the program, Tech Talk with Doug. He'll be on the air between 3 and 4 o'clock today. We'll go outdoors with Steve Carney at about 4.10. We'll get an update on all things hockey with Jez Myers at about 4.20 today. Uh, we have college football. Some teams still in action around the area. Tommy's still playing in the Pioneer League. Uh, D2-wise, Minnesota State at Augustana today. Bemidji State is down in Texas. Uh, they're playing uh, Texas Permian Basin uh, today. Uh, we should get game reports and all of that. Bethel on the road in D3. Uh, they're playing down at Whitewater, and they were getting beat 28-7 at the half. Meanwhile, uh, Minnesota Morris uh, was playing in the D3 playoffs as well. We'll have all those scores later on in the program. Here on News Talk, E3-O-W-C-C-O. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The Shaletta Show. Shaletta out a little early today. Steve Thompson and Josh Wheeler is our producer. And a big thanks to our guest joining us a little bit earlier, John Springman from Ramsey County. Get your yard work done. This is the weekend to do it. It, it was so warm. Earlier in the day, I had a couple of garden hoses that if I'm really lazy in any given year, I'll obviously unhook them from the house. Then I'll just kind of let them lay. I mean, they're coiled up, but I leave them coiled up. And if they freeze and uh, get covered with snow, I really don't care. I mean, they're tough. They're garden hoses. Uh, But this year and today, it was kind of like, it's pretty warm. And the sun's beating down on the driveway. So I took this semi-frozen coil, threw it on the driveway, let it thaw, drained them properly, recoiled those and put them in the shed. I, I, I think there should be some sort of homeowner award show that I, I, I get a medal for that. I, I felt really productive. 
because with with the garden hoses, and then I think if they freeze and crack, they're not that expensive. I can always get another one next year. So I, I felt super productive earlier today, uh, properly draining and recoiling of the garden hoses. Because it's one of those things, earlier in the fall, it's like, well, I may need that. You know, I, there's no reason to put it away now. I may need that hose. But here's what I've got to do tomorrow. And I, I don't know if you're done with your yard work. But this is what I need to do tomorrow. I have a leaf blower. And it, it's a real leaf blower. It, it, is, it runs on gasoline. I, I've tried the electric blowers. For the real heavy-duty work, they, they just don't have the oomph. So I've got this extension, this long tube that goes all the way up to the roof, and then it's got kind of a hook, so I'm able to use the blower to blow out all the gutters. So that's job one. Blow out all the leaves that have accumulated in the gutters and get those clean. Then once all those fall to the ground, blow all the remaining leaves away from the house. Then get on the old John Deere. And grind them up. Final final run. Hopefully that maple tree in the front yard is done by tomorrow. Get them all ground up. And then put the bag around the old John Deere. And bag up all the excess. Then the final thing. Put the old John Deere to bed in the shed. And bring out the snow thrower. And make sure that the tires are inflated, it's lubed properly, the oil is right, and there is fresh fuel. And then, of course, the moment of truth. Firing up for the first time since last winter and making sure that I'm indeed ready to go for that inevitable big snowstorm. So that is what I have on my agenda tomorrow, and then I can celebrate with what? Sunday night football? Tomorrow night? Yes, sir. Denver and Minnesota? That That's how I'm going to celebrate. Super Bowl With preview. Sunday night football. You know, the way that teams are going and the way the league is going this year, yeah. who it's knows? A, it's a weird year. It is a really weird year. Joe Burrow goes from playing to not playing to out for the year yeah. in a span of what? A day? It's, I mean, it was insane, the Joe Burrow story. And if you don't follow football, I understand. But he is, he's, in my opinion, a top five quarterback in this league. And, and I'd you, put and Joe if, Burrow. And if you also don't follow football, the two teams that were pretty much picked to be in the AFC Championship again this year are really having just an off year, and that's Buffalo and Cincinnati. They've yeah, you'd have since to, the start. You'd have to put Kansas yeah. City in that oh, correct. Yeah, mi- yeah. mix yeah. for sure. But yep. Buffalo and Cincinnati were legit contenders. Correct. I, I would agree with that. And what was crazy was going into the Thursday night, I, I don't remember hearing anything about there being problems with Joe Burrow. Nobody did. did. Nobody did. And it wasn't until the, uh, the the cast and the wrist guard made its appearance on the uh, fl- on the 
the the walk down from the flight basically he, is what it was. And all of a sudden now he's done for the year. It escalated quick. I th- yeah, so I, honestly, that, I thought it was a burner account when I saw it on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. I was like, I swear this is not real. <laughs> Just absolutely insane. And then, of course, we all know about Kirk Cousins. But the Vikes uh, picked up Josh Dobbs for his six-round pick from Arizona. We all know the story by now. And their season, all of a sudden, they're a legit contender to at least make the playoffs. Who knows? They could run down the Lions. And and Lions fans, the, the few that are in the snack of the woods are, are probably angry about that. They're the Lions. They are the Lions. This is not a foregone conclusion. And then, of course, we all know about Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. Um, it has been tough to be a big-time quarterback. And then you brought up the Bills going back to Buffalo. Yeah. Josh Allen. And and there's other things going on in Buffalo, and I have a theory about that. But he's not good. He's not good right now. Yeah, he's, uh, he's disinterested based on the expressions I've seen on his face this year. He just seems very disinterested and doesn't want to talk about it. Do you remember when they were eliminated from the playoffs? I just want to run this by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they were eliminated from the playoffs, and our old buddy Stefan Diggs was very animated on the sideline and getting in his face. I think that moment had a gigantic carryover effect on this season and is part of the problem in Buffalo. After that, all the shenanigans of Stefan Diggs and the defenders said, well, he just wants to win and so on and so forth. What he was doing is he was showing up as quarterback in that moment, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think there is a hangover associated with it. I think I even sent something out on social media that said, I'd get rid of Diggs. I would move on. Josh Allen is far more important to that franchise than Stefan Diggs. I'm more of a I'm more of a Gabe Davis fan anyways when it comes to yeah. Bills receivers, so yeah. But but my point being is, is I I think that it while it's not everything, it's part of the deal. Yeah, and it, just a theory, and, and the Bills are a mess right now for sure. So who knows? Um, there's a long way to go. Uh, middle of November, Thanksgiving games coming up, and then of course things get very interesting in the NFL in December. But uh, getting back to we get the yard work done. And then we have the Vikes and the Broncos tomorrow night. By the way, later on in the show, our old buddy Chris Thomason, who used to cover the Vikes for the Pioneer Press, is in Denver and covers the Broncos. And he's going to join the show today at 535. Anyway, we're very late to the weather. We'll get into that in a moment. The first light rail line was built once upon a time between Mall of America, ran through the airport, Uh, under the airport, the downtown Minneapolis. And then a while later, a line was built between downtown Minneapolis and downtown St. Paul. Those are operational. Uh, We are waiting for Southwest Light Rail to open. Construction uh, continues. It's gone over budget. There have been delays. But it, it will open later in the decade. But there is a chance there will be even another light rail line coming to the metro area. And that will be an extension uh, going from 
downtown Minneapolis, through north Minneapolis, and then ultimately end up in Brooklyn Park. So the system is gradually expanding. And uh, we're going to get into that. And Kyle Manuli is going to join us, uh, communications administrator with Hennepin County Transit and Mobility. Kyle, thanks for joining us today. Very good to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's talk about this extension. I know it's been rumored for a while. Uh, Where is it at in the planning process? Yeah, so uh, this plan, this route has been in development for many years. Um, a quick bit of history in 2020, we announced that we'd be looking for a new route. We had initially been planning on going through the rail corridor from Highway 55 up north. Um, and it turns out that the railroad was not interested in sharing their right of way on our property with the project. So we had to pivot the project and saw that really as an opportunity to sort of even more people and more key destinations, uh, including uh, key key communities in North Minneapolis, where there's some of the uh, highest rates of transit ridership in the entire state. Um, there's a lot of people that do not own a car, rely on transit to get where they need to go every single day. Um, so we really view that as an opportunity. And here we are three years later, and we, are, uh, we have a, a new recommended route. So it's a Staff have been deeply engaging with community, having lots and lots of conversations, um, and we've come up with a new uh, a new route that we're we're looking to advance. So currently, we're in the environmental review phase, which means that we're putting together a really detailed report and studying everything about this potential route uh, to include to a final report to the FTA. All right, can you give us kind of a rough outline since we're on the radio and we can't show visuals, but. Yeah, yeah. Give it, give us kind of a, a start downtown. I would assume the line would start right around Target Field. That's exactly right. Yeah. So the recommended route would come out of Target Field Station. It would work its way up 10th Avenue uh, through the North Loop, 10th Avenue to Washington Avenue, and then it would head up Washington Avenue on the east side of I-94. At 21st Avenue, we would cross over the freeway on a new bridge that we're looking to build, which would be a new connection for the community to get to the river and get across the freeway, as well as give us an easy way to get the train across. It would go down 21st and then connect up with West Broadway, where it would continue on up into uh, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and eventually end in Brooklyn Park. And is this in in the planning stage, and I, I know there's a lot of steps along the way, and then mm-hmm. and then ultimately funding construction, et cetera. What is a rough timeline look in all of this, Kyle? Yeah, so assuming everything goes according to plan, we hope to be offering passenger rides in 2030. Uh, construction likely starting around 2026, 2027. It is, the issues with Southwest Light Rail, and we're not going to put these projects together, but I, I brought up the delays there and, and some of the uh, budget concerns about that and some of the uh, budget overruns on that line, does that impact this project in any way? You know, it, it really shouldn't. We, we believe that there's capacity and there's the ability to complete both of these lines, absolutely. Um, and that being said, you know, there's a lot of lessons that were learned on, on the southwest line that we're applying here to the blue line. Um, for instance, you know, there aren't any tunnels, which has been a, a big sticking point um, on, that, on that green line extension. Yeah, Kyle Mianuli joining us. He's with Hennepin County, Hennepin County Transit and Mobility. Uh, Kyle, on a project like this, I I would assume 
input from all the communities involved is a big part of it. It is a big part of it, yeah, and it's something that we've really been prioritizing and thinking about a, a little bit creatively about how we're, we're making sure that we're hearing from everybody. You know, we do the, the public meetings and the public hearings where people can show up and learn about the project and voice their opinions that way. We're also um, doing some creative things like we've actually contracted with 10 uh, local artists this year who are doing creative arts engagement projects. Um, and that's the way, you know, they go into the community, into the parks, they'll host uh, a zine, a zine working, a zine making workshop, excuse me, um, as an example, that's, that's coming up here next weekend. Um, they do, you know, kind of community mural paintings and offer really fun ways for people to come and learn about the project and offer their feedback. Um, we've also uh, had a community engagement cohort where we are actually contracting with local community organizations, cultural organizations, and neighborhood organizations to help supplement the outreach work that we're, we're doing as well. So, um, you know, they, they have um, connections to their communities that we don't have, and they're in places that we're not able to be. And so, you know, we've, we've contracted with up to 17 different uh, community organizations to make sure that we are hearing from everybody. In addition to that, we do have a fully staffed outreach office with some really fantastic people who are out there every single day knocking on doors, talking to businesses, answering phone calls. Yeah, Kyle, uh, about the project itself and the planning, and uh, once a route is determined, then the idea is, you know, where where are people going to be able to get on and get off the train and access uh, rides on the particular train? And I, I think the one thing we've learned from the original line from the Mall of America downtown and then from downtown Minneapolis over to St. Paul is that maybe this open station uh, kind of on the honor fare system maybe doesn't work. Because when I, I visited Chicago, and I, we, we've taken our kids to Chicago a number of times and have, have used the L frequently, uh, no fare, no ride. I mean, there's restricted access to the platforms uh, and to be able to get on the train. Is there a thought going forward that maybe this blue line extension may use a model like we we see in other cities like Philly or New York or Chicago? Yeah, certainly. So, I mean, there are lots of different schools of thought on on the station and closure idea, and that's something that we've definitely been hearing a lot of lately. Metro Transit next year is going to be doing a pretty comprehensive study of, you know, what would it look like to retrofit those existing stations to have more controlled access to the platforms. So we'll be watching that study closely, and, you know, it it does sound likely that they will be moving ahead with some um, station modifications to do exactly what you're talking about, and that's something that we'll certainly be watching closely and incorporating on this project as it makes sense. Yeah, and would, would it would it be using the same rolling stock, if you will, cars that are already used on the system, so it would be completely interchangeable? I, I would assume that goes without saying, because I think some people think about North Star commuter rail running on you know freight lines up to Big Lake. This this would be the same rolling stock, the same cars. Yeah, so we, we would certainly have it so that any of the, the existing cars could run on, on this new route as well. Um, you know, we will be likely purchasing additional light rail vehicles just because we're going to have thousands more trips every single day. Um, and we want to make sure that we can meet the demand and give everybody the rides that they need. And then, uh, Kyle, beyond that, I think a lot of people are wondering about 
funding. I, I know there's there's probably county involvement, state involvement, and federal involvement in a project like that. Is, is the project fully funded, or are there hurdles to cross on that part of it? Yeah, so the the way the, the funding works is there's typically a local share, which traditionally Hennepin County has has covered, and they've committed to covering the local share for this project as well. And that, that's, you know, up to about half of the funding. And the rest of the funding typically does come from the federal government through what's called a um, in, in, an FGA or a, a funding agreement. Um, and so we will, once we have a finalized route, be applying for federal funding um, to cover hopefully as much as, as half of the cost. Uh, Kyle Meal newly joins us, uh, Hennepin County Transit and Mobility talking about the Blue Line extension and which would run from downtown Minneapolis northwest out toward Robbinsdale, Crystal, and ultimately uh, Brooklyn Park. How, how do people learn learn more about where the project stands and kind of take a look at map uh, a map and uh, and what this thing will look like? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I direct uh, your listeners to bluelineext.org. That is the main project website, and there's all the information you could ever want to know about the project, including an, an interactive map, which lets you look in kind of great detail on exactly where we're thinking of putting it, um, what it will look like. We have some, some renderings up there that show kind of what it would feel like in the community. Um, another website that we have that is really an engagement platform is yourblueline.org and we've got a few different surveys up there and we're also talking about a lot of the other components around this project too it's not just about building a a, a train and figuring out where it fits but you know there's a lot of investment that will come along with um with the actual transit project and so we're looking at you know what are the robust strategies that need to be in place to prevent displacement and to build that prosperity in the community um, so we've got a lot of information about our anti-displacement report and strategy on yourblueline.org, and like I said, some surveys that you can fill out too and tell us what you think. And then would would this be it for major transit projects or, or light rail projects in Hennepin County? Is this kind of the last big one on the board in the county? You know, this is less less big one on, in, on the near horizon in Hennepin County for light rail at least, and we really look at light rail as kind of the backbone of our transit system. And it works closely with uh, bus rapid transit and local bus routes to really have a full, complete modern transit system that makes it easy and efficient to get where you need to go without having to drive. Um, And so this would be the kind of last major leg of the existing planned light rail network. Uh, I I noticed you, you mentioned We've got the green line that heads east. We've got the southwest line that's going to go west. We'll be an extension of the green line. And we have the existing blue line that goes south. And so this is really that kind of missing north leg. Um, and we're excited to to get that complete. Are, are you aware, and I, I know we're focused on Hennepin County, and that's where this particular line would, would be built and ideally open uh, by 2030, um, of any more light rail work in the East Metro? I know there's been talk about uh, maybe that being extended at some point, but I, I, I haven't heard a lot about that. Yeah, so I know that they are looking at the Riverview Corridor over in, in Ramsey County in St. Paul. Um, I think that current project is what they call it a modern streetcar, so it's kind of like a bus light rail hybrid almost. Sure. Um, but that's that's still in the early planning phases as well. All right. Well, well Kyle, thanks for the update on this Saturday. 
Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, Steve. Thanks. All right. There he is, Kyle Mianuli, uh, once again talking about uh, the Metro Blue Line extension going from Minneapolis ultimately out to Brooklyn Park. But some big hurdles to cross, approvals along the way, and then uh, the big uh, funding issue. And we'll we'll come back and talk more about light rail and where it stands here in town in a moment. Here on News Talk, E3OWCCO. Follow up on the light rail. Stephen for Shaletta, by the way, Doug will join us for Tech Talk between 3 and 4 today. Um, I have a simple statement on our light rail system. I, I know the idea was, well, we're, we're going to make the platforms open and aesthetically pleasing and so on and so forth until they fix it. No fare, no ride until you secure the stations, the platforms, no fare, no ride. And then they, they got to bump up security. The, the one thing when you go to Chicago, and I've gone to Chicago, we, we took our kids when they were little, uh, we've taken them on the L, we've gone to Wrigley, we've gone down to the Sox Park. The, the name has changed so many times over the years, it's hard to keep track of. But the point being is, is even riding the L from Midway to the Loop or from O'Hare to the Loop, you don't get on the train if you don't pay a fare. And until they, they make that simple realization that you must secure the platforms and secure the trains and make sure people feel safe on the trains, you're going to have problems. So while they plan this blue line extension that they hope to open in 2030, I I think it should be planned with the idea that the stations and the platforms are secure and the motto should be no fare, no ride. You you just can't get on the train and, and ride around and cause problems that, that there's just zero tolerance. And until they get that figured out, they're going to have problems. Um, from our text line, Cities One Plumbing and Heat Talk and text line, so no high-speed rail to get more cars and trucks off the freeways. Why is there no high-speed rail from Hudson to downtown St. Paul? For many one I talk to, seems the only interested parties in the rail are developers, and how many people are going to be displaced. And we did get into that with Kyle, and they're working on that. All right, we got to run. All the news, all the weather at 3 o'clock. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.